0: having human insight is like having a customer sitting next to you 24-7. And you can just turn to them at any moment and say, what do you think of this? Or how do you feel about this issue? Or which of these two do you like? Or anything like that. And you know, if you think about it, how much more productive would you be? How much more certainty would you have about your decisions if you were able to get that sort of feedback in real time? And really, that's what it's about—is it's it's helping you make really well-informed, customer-based decisions that are super high confidence. Um, so you're saving time and money for the company. You got a much better chance of getting the product right on the first try. Mm-hmm.
1: Welcome to the Human Insight Podcast, where we share with you the business stories, ideas, and trends shaping the future of customer experience, told firsthand by the experts themselves in thought provoking conversations.
2: Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Janelle Estes, Chief Insights Officer at User Testing. And today we're very excited to have User Testing's Mike Mace. John Treiser and Michael Dominic joining us on the Human Insight podcast to talk about the recent launch of the Center for Human Insight. Welcome to the show, everyone!
3: Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for having us.
2: So, podcast listeners may remember Mike Mays has been on the show way back. I think in our first season. So, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days at user testing?
0: Sure. Well, you know, I'm I'm in a role where I work on. Uh, strategic stuff in marketing, but the big project that I'm working on right now is the Center for Human Insights itself, getting it up to speed and uh, getting the content there and uh, you know, just an an endless number of details around that. And I'm so excited that we're at the point where we can start sharing it with people. I mean, it's still a baby, it's still in beta, um, but I'm delighted with where it's gotten to so far.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's fun to be able to actually talk more publicly about it um, so launching it at our customer conference and then also having an episode here dedicated to it. Um, so Sean, you are a big, big part of um, standing up the center. So yeah, tell us a little bit about what you're focused on uh, at user testing.
3: Sure. So uh, a lot of my role is in content strategy and design. So I spend my days learning about how our leading customers integrate human insights into their workflows. And then I build content that both enables and ideally inspires others to do the same. Uh, Really excited to be contributing to the center and uh, really painting a full picture of all of the opportunities for human insights to support.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk a little bit about a recent article that you published. So um, love that you're taking that perspective and uh, provides a ton of value for, for the center and, and the consumers of, of the content. And Michael, uh, thanks for joining us. What are you working on at user testing these days?
4: Uh, yeah, like I've had several roles at user testing over the years, uh, currently pulling duties as an insights strategist. Uh, so mostly that involves uh, helping this awesome team uh, create and launch the uh, the site that we just talked about. Um, and then also generate a lot of the great content that goes into the site. Uh, but then also connecting that back to many of the awesome things that our customers are doing that are directly related to the content that's on the site.
2: Yeah, it's been a really fun process of getting to a place where um, like I mentioned before we have something that we can share and as Mike mentioned it's certainly a baby still um but this team has been so instrumental in in getting um the site stood up and and generating a lot of the content so we're we're in early days and I'm I'm excited um for for what the future holds um before we get into the meat of the show um I want to share uh one of our insight segments uh with you all so given we're in the holiday season Lots of different customs and traditions that people follow, and one of those is giving gifts to each other. For our first segment, uh, we wanted to ask our global contributor network to share what was their favorite worst gift they've received and why it was such a hit. So let's listen to what they have to say.
1: Uh, The gift I have received
4: uh, was like a teddy bear on my birthday. The teddy bear was like a... uh... Uh, broken from the inside and that uh, that hand was broken completely broken I was like feel I have feel like uh, why why this is on my birthday and you are giving me the uh, broken gift so that is the very terrible gift I have
1: I received some things related to Hanukkah because I celebrate that and it was a nice Hanukkah bag but then I received like Manischewitz grape juice kosher salt and although the gesture was like cute and trying to be like kind of funny it was actually felt very awkward and like appropriating certain culture and like I could tell that they didn't really understand it as well so that was weird but interesting at the same time
0: I would say um, one terrible gift I probably got was um, when I was younger um, my parents uh, I think it was my dad surprised me for Christmas with a game boy game and it was um the Bible game I think it was and it was this really awful game boy game it had nothing to do with the subject material but it was a really awful game it like you could beat it in ten minutes and there was really nothing to it it was just really awful and
4: I kind of had to fake liking it for a bit and everything, so.
1: So, I think the worst gift I ever got was from a new boyfriend. Um, well, not that new, but it was like our first Christmas together, and it was like nine months and whatnot. We live in Minnesota, and I tried picking up some thoughtful things, and he got me snow. oh, gosh, what do they even call him? like, you know, those, they like basically little cleats that you strap on the bottom of your shoes so you don't fall. Um, and I'm like, what would I ever do with these things? And yes, I conceptually know they exist, but like I don't need these shoe grabber gripper things I will never use. I'll toss in my car and never use. It was like so unromantic and so unthoughtful. And he was a good guy. That's the thing. But I think he just panicked and didn't know what to buy. So he bought me these ice gripping things for the bottom of my shoes and I'm like oh my god. There have been years that we have received pictures of people's faces just a blown up giant photo that we didn't know
5: what to do with. Um, it was super awkward and you know it was one of those things we had to pull it out every time they came over because they were an elderly family member.
1: My grandmother was such a sweet lady, she liked to spend the whole year putting together her Christmas gifts. Like, as soon as Christmas, well, I guess New Year's was over, she then spent the next 11 months crafting a gift for her grandkids and kids. And so, the year, a few years before she passed away, she got into photography. And <clears throat> so, for a few Christmases, we got nicely put together photo albums as our christmas gifts and they were kind of sweet like she really liked birds like she would take pictures of birds and put those together or be like a food album and then one year my grandmother was in her 80s at the time and a lot of her friends um passed away that year um from old age and she decided that at every funeral, she is going to take a picture of the person in the casket, and then she didn't stop there. She then took those pictures and turned it into a calendar. So, And then she gave all of her kids and grandkids a calendar made from the pictures, the last pictures that her friends ever had taken. It was really creepy because I did not know these people. None of us knew these people. It was really weird. And I don't think anyone put it up. I think we all just nodded and said thank you. But um,
2: yeah, it was a weird gift.
4: I have so many follow-up questions.
2: So many. That was pretty incredible, though. It's fun to see different people commenting on uh, what was their best, worst gift. I think mine was... Or has been in the past. I have a relative that's known for re gifting. So, taking presents that they've received from other people and then giving them to um, others at at other holidays. And I had um, that person, I had gifted them something a couple of years prior that they then gifted back to me at Christmas time, which was uh, pretty amazing. Um, So, I'd love to hear Sean, Mike, and Michael, your best, worst gifts. Maybe we can start with um, Michael.
4: Um, yeah, look, I think I've been lucky. Uh, I don't ever actually recall receiving a bad gift, either for the holidays or for my birthday. All of this feedback does remind me of a great early episode of The Simpsons where Homer does not know what to get Marge for her birthday. So he ends up buying her a bowling ball with his name on it, knowing that she has no interest at all in bowling. And I think he even gives it to her and says something like, oh, if you don't want it, I know someone who does. Um, it's great, great early episode that everyone should go check out.
2: Yes. The gifts you give to other people that are really for yourself. That's, that's always, that's always a fun one. Mike, do you have a, a memory of your, your best, worst gift?
0: You know, I, this is, you know, first of all, I loved those, uh, those comments from the, the, the contributors about their gifts. I love how you can get people to open up about their feelings and their inner thoughts on a, a a test where they're just talking to their computer. And I really want to know what happened with the boyfriend who had the cleats. That's what's just running through my, uh, my head right now. But uh, anyway, for, personal story, young kid... Uh, really, really wanted a particular racing toy, and I was a nosy little bugger, and so I went snooping around the house to find out where my mom had had hidden the toys prior to Christmas, and I found them, and I saw that the racing toy that I wanted was there, and I was so excited. I was like all set, and like, you know, Christmas, no anxiety, now I know I'm going to get exactly what I want. Christmas Day comes along, we all unwrap our presents, they gave the toy to my brother.
3: (laughs) Tragic. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and so, so traumatizing that I still remember it today after all these years. Um, but actually, that was a breakdown in communications, because clearly I had not communicated properly to my parents. So it's actually my fault.
2: That's a that's a very sweet, sad story, Mike, um, <laughs> but clearly very memorable for you. Uh, Sean, how about you?
3: Oh, sure. Uh, there are a few to choose from, I'll be honest. But the one that stands out, I think I was probably... Twelve or thirteen at the time, I suppose. Uh, my family saw me as coming into uh, adulthood in some sort. My aunt got me a cologne that was particularly awful. It was pungent. It was really unpleasant, in my opinion. But of course, had to act like uh, it was great and and quite a quite a thoughtful gift. Uh, ultimately that meant that almost every family gathering, I I felt compelled to wear this and suffered through it with, you know, tears brimming in my eyes.
2: (laughs) I'm sure everyone else was suffering through that too. If it smelled as bad as you uh, are describing, um, so super fun. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. And Mike, I totally agree with you. It's so nice to be able to uh, get that level of feedback and, uh, sort of sharing from people. Uh, and such a wide variety uh, of examples as well. Um, but, you know, we're, we're really here today, uh, to talk a lot more about the Center for Human Insight. So I'd love for you, Mike, to just sort of sum it up for us, like tell us what it is, why it exists, uh, and, and any other details you want to share.
0: Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's a dream that a lot of us have had at the company for a long time, including you, Janelle, so I want to be sure we we credit that. it's a it's a group thing. Um, the center is is first first and foremost, it's a content website with a whole bunch of information on it. and we are just getting started on posting things. We're putting up one new thing every week. And it's all about kind of answering three questions. The first one is, what is human insight? What do we mean by that? You know, what 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 can you do with it? The second thing is, Um, what's the full range of things you can learn from it? Kind of like we were just talking about those self-interviews, right, about the gifts. People tend to think of, you know, user tests as being something just tied to usability, when in fact, it's a way to get broad feedback on anything that you need to get reactions to or, or input on in real time. Um, and the range of things you can do with it, the range of things you can learn are just amazing. So we want to bring that to life for everybody so that they, they see what you can do. And then the third question is, how do you actually implement this stuff? You know, if you want to, if you want to deploy it within your company, what do you need to do in terms of training, changing your work processes? Because it really is a change in thinking. Um, and so giving guides around, uh, what, uh, what you need to do in order to take full advantage of it is is one of the things we want to do. So, um, growing collection of content, we want it to be the best place for those topics, and that's what we're trying to to build out.
2: Yeah, I love it. And what i what I really love about this topic is that um, different uh, teams or roles or uh, you know. People come at this topic in different ways, and sometimes they have different language that they use to describe something that is uh, ultimately everyone sort of talking about the same thing, but it co- people come at it in different ways. And so what I mean by that is many, many times we work with uh, user testing with UX researchers who are working to, um, you know, democratize human insight or empower designers to conduct their own research. And there's what I like to call a method to the madness and how to do that. And we've written some content around that on the center, but you come at it from the product executives perspective who might think about or talk about this differently than a UX researcher. And you recently published an article about how they should think about and implement human insight. So can you give us a a quick summary of, of sort of what that article covered?
0: So I think the really exciting thing for product teams um, is that it's not just about validating a UX thing. Yes, you can do that. Your designers should be doing that. But if you think of ultimately a product manager is about trying to read the minds of customers and um, being able to make sure that they're making the right decisions on the first try. So you're not wasting the time of the engineers or the designers or, or the marketers or anybody else, you know. Having human insight is like having a customer sitting next to you 24/7 and you can just turn to them at any moment and say what do you think of this or how do you feel about this issue or which of these two do you like or anything like that and you know if you think about it how much more productive would you be how much more certainty would you have about your decisions if you were able to get that sort of feedback in real time. And really that's what it's about is it's, it's helping you make really well-informed customer-based decisions that are super high confidence. Um, so you're saving time and money for the company. You got a much better chance of getting the product right on the first try. There's this whole ideology in agile about failing fast. Um, and you know, that can get sort of fetishized by, okay, we need to, we need to be failing as quickly as we can so we can evolve the right thing, which is fine but how about not failing in the first place you know how much resource could you could you save and i think as as product folks start to understand the power of this for changing their workflow and making themselves more productive that's where they get really really excited about it and that's what makes me excited is is helping them to change their lives
2: yeah absolutely and i love this notion of it being so simple to understand meaning you know, you literally can have a customer sitting next to you or you have a customer sitting next to you that you can ask questions or get feedback from at any moment in time. I mean, I think we've probably all heard these stories of companies that have like the proverbial chair in the conference room that represents the customer. It's like, Hey, imagine if you actually had a customer and not just a chair <laughs> representing the customer to remind you of them. And I think that's what's so powerful about this world. I mean, uh, with tech in particular, that is now a reality in terms of being able to just tap your customer on the shoulder whenever you need to uh, and get some guidance and feedback. So I love uh, how you frame that, Mike. Um, and, and Michael, you recently wrote some pretty awesome content for the center, um, one about some recent or pending transactions in the tech space and how people are uh, perceiving them. So, you know, Twitter. Figma. There's a lot of uh, chatter in the market about that, but it was really interesting for you to uncover how real people kind of perceive these uh, transactions and and how they felt about it. Um, so that's obviously a little bit of a different take on uh, human insight and some of the content that we're going to be delivering through the site itself. So. Can you help listeners understand, you know, who's the audience for the center for human insight and, um, maybe just a bit more about uh, the, the content strategy moving forward?
4: Yeah. So as far as the audience goes, I mean, generally I see that as, you know, anyone within an organization that wants to understand more about the crucial role that human insights, uh, play, you know, in, in shaping decisions that are going to help, you know, individuals create better, uh, experiences for those customers. Right. So let's, let's, let's put that into more specific terms though. So that could be a UX researcher that could be a research ops manager with a goal to establish best practices or scale an insights practice. Um, and they're looking for a little bit of guidance. Maybe they're looking for a playbook on, you know, how to do that very effectively. Um, it could be, you know, as Mike pointed out, it could be, uh, product managers or senior, you know, product executives, um, within a product org and, you know, they have an appetite for incorporating more human insights into the decisions that they're making around building better products and generating uh, better experiences for their customers. But look, I think it could also be CEOs and other members of, you know, senior leadership within an organization. And they want to better understand, you know, how are other companies doing this? Right? Like, how are they leveraging their resources? How are they leveraging uh, human insights to create best in class experiences? And, you know, gather, maybe they're looking to gather some additional wisdom around uh, some, you know, to avoid some CX pitfalls that other companies have fallen into. So there's a lot of great content that covers like a lot of these different use cases around uh, human insights and how that connects back to the decisions that you're going to make to generate these great experiences for your customers.
2: I think one of the things we we always say is uh, human insight is really valuable to anybody who has a customer uh, and so being able to position um, the content this way, write it in a way that it's consumable by people who might not be complete experts in the topic, but understand the importance of it. Um, I think these are these are all things that we're we're trying to achieve here. Um, so with that, and, and thank you for sort of teeing up the, the Center for Listeners. We actually went and what do we say, drank some of our own champagne. I think that's better than eating our own dog food. For our second insights video, we asked uh, the User Testing Contributor Network for their first impressions of the Center for Human Insight. Let's uh, listen to what they said. Uh,
4: this website is valuable. Yeah, sure. For someone in my field, um, kind of makes me want to go and <laughs> read, read through some more articles.
5: There are some really helpful helpful tips when it comes to uh, you know running conducting a research. Um, anything that will make me improve, like advance my career, I think it would definitely be very, any information would be valuable.
1: So it'd be good if that could be applied
4: uh, or consistent throughout. Please rate your level of agreement with the following statement. The website is unique. Um, I'll strongly disagree with that.
1: It looks like a blog site. It uh, There are billi- millions of blog sites out there.
4: Please rate your level agreement with the following statement. The website is valuable. Please explain your rating. So I'll put that about four. I think that there is some good information inside of here from the couple things that I actually um, read. What additional suggestions, if any, do you have to improve the website?
1: Needs Um, one there needs to be an explainer of what Center for Human. Inside is
5: the website is visually appealing. Uh, I'm going to say three. Honestly, it, it felt like it was missing something more compelling. Um, on the home page. I, I think most website users have an expectation on what they see in a hero section. And when you just get what it just looks like a blog page from like a, um, like an articles collection page that is, branch off of a different homepage. It did, I didn't feel like I was on a homepage, and I didn't feel like there was quite enough to orient me as to you know what this site was and or who it was by. Article repository or resource hub by user testing is unique in that um, user testing is such a esteemed company when it comes to user testing. So for them to have their own insights, I think that is quite unique. So
1: the website is easy to use. Uh, I strongly agree, I mean there wasn't really much to actually, you know, uh, browse through anyway, but uh, yeah, just for the short time that I had actually, you know, uh, hands-on the website was pretty easy to use and navigate. So the website is visually appealing, Uh, I would actually strongly disagree with that. Um, I'm sure I've seen or come across various websites uh, which are much uh, more aesthetic and uh, much more better looking and well designed. And this website just looks really bare bones and uh, very basic. The website is visually appealing. No, <laughs> not at all. When I first looked at, I thought it was okay. It's it's still uh, being built, so that's fine. But it's not something visually appealing. Mm, the website is unique. I don't know. Maybe it's unique because of the content, but because of the design is totally not. The website is valuable. Yeah. Yes. I can say that because the content that this website is planning to show and to bring for the users and the readers are something really valuable.
2: I can't filter also. I'm not happy that issues tips and best practices are together at the moment. doesn't really resonate like we're lying. Um, So it's valuable, yes. But like, as I said, I could probably Google and I would get, I don't know what I would get differently from somewhere like Medium to this. Okay. So lots of good feedback. What I appreciate about that clip is that we are hearing things that people really like, and then we are hearing things. Uh, in places that we can improve. So interesting feedback. Uh, Sean, do you have any thoughts on, on the video? And I'd love to ask each of you, Michael and Mike, what, what your takeaways were as well.
3: Yes, yeah, I, I I love hearing this feedback. And by the way, I have to mention, this is one round of many rounds of testing that we're conducting on the site as we go. We've taken very much kind of an open beta mindset to this, certainly leading with a content first strategy. So I'm really encouraged to hear that people are finding unique value in our content, particularly in our kind of like primary knowledge generation pieces. And we're definitely gonna be doubling down there. Certainly from there, there's plenty of room for improvement. And it's when we get both the explicit feedback of what people need help with, certainly navigation and clarity and other items, and also certain implicit reactions. When we can watch these videos, you can see facial reactions as people are navigating the page. All of the above are super important signals to help us prioritize our work.
2: Michael or Mike, any thoughts?
3: Mike, I'll let you go first.
0: So, you know, it's... um I, I agree with with what uh, Sean just said, and I like I like the candor that you can get in terms of people's feedback. Um, I don't like any time somebody doesn't like something that I've worked on, you know. So there's an emotional piece of working through of just like, "Dang it," you know. Uh, but at the same time, given that uh, the site's still in beta, and given that we prioritized quality of content over any over presentation very very deliberately it's kind of like okay isn't this what I would expect to be hearing at this point in time, and uh, that's okay. It's queuing up stuff that we that we knew we needed to do. So, you know, to me, what I took away from it is I love how candid they are, and uh, yep, they're keeping our feet to the fire on stuff that I was pretty sure we needed to work on, and it's nice to see that uh, that stuff validated. Um, I do hope you know we'll we'll do more research six months from now. I I hope that we will hear about a different set of issues that we, uh, need to be working on at that point, um, having nailed the ones that they were talking about there.
4: And yes, totally agree. Like we were very deliberate about making sure like, let's get the content right. And we can work on the visual presentation later on. And that's what I've heard from a lot of that feedback is I heard a lot of people responding positively to the content, uh, and maybe not so positively to the visual presentation. And I think that kind of like puts us right around where we expected to be at this stage.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Um, I described the experience uh, because we were against a, a pretty tight timeline. We wanted to launch this as um, uh, a beta uh, for our customer conference, and I remember I was looking at the site the night before and kind of scanning through everything. And I, I always imagine myself, you know, as a UX person saying, and if I was evaluating this thing, saying, "Oh, we can't launch it until we fix X and Y and Z." but like it was like I was in a totally different role at that point where it was almost like I was a pro- I don't product owner maybe for lack of a better term but it was one of those things where like yeah we could iterate 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 but uh perfection can sometimes get in the way of just getting something out um so it was like this really interesting like I felt a lot of empathy in that moment for people who are building experiences where they recognize that things might not be perfect, but are against timelines and and uh, the need to get something out the door. Um, so that was that was like a, a kind of an out, out of body experience for me. Um, uh, but but with that, uh, Sean, you recently wrote an article on uh, customer connect programs. So we have a bunch of our customers uh, at user testing who have implemented Customer Connect programs. So can you tell us a, a little bit about them, um, what a Customer Connect program is and, and uh, maybe some tips for setting them up?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Customer Connect programs are a programmatic way to increase exposure between team members and customers exponentially. The idea being that there is regular kind of habitual time built in to workflows, where whether it's unstructured completely or, or a bit more directed towards projects that are in motion, team members can sit down with customers and really get to know how they feel about a certain topic. Uh, and not only does that benefit the individual who is sitting down with the customer, it then multiplies out as they share out what they've learned and compare notes with their colleagues who are doing the same things. Uh, so we've seen this kind of program built, uh, like you said, at a number of our customers, including Microsoft, their blogs on the subject that they've written. We have Tesco, who was a, a Catherine from a previous episode talks all about their program Uh, we really see that exponential benefit of customer exposure when it's built into habits and workflows.
2: Awesome. Yeah, it's a great article with a ton of examples and practical guidance on how to set it up uh, at your own organization. Um, So yeah, as we're building out this content and and expertise that we want to share with the broader world and community, um, we're also looking for people to contribute to the center. So Mike, can you share a little bit about uh, what you're hoping for in terms of contributions and if people are listening and want to contribute, how they can go about doing that?
0: Right now, the the content on the site is um, mostly written by user testing people, but that's not how we want it to be long term. Um, we will continue to contribute to it, but we also would like to get people from the, uh, the community out there talking about their experiences, their expertise, um, things they have tried and what they learned from it. Um, So if you want to write an article, we would love to hear from you. If you want to be interviewed, we would love to do that. We're going to be doing video interviews and things like that. Or if you just want to suggest ideas for articles we should write or questions you'd like to see us answer, we would really like uh, to hear from you. So easiest way to to contact us, um, you can just use my email address, which is mike at usertesting.com. You can also send it to Center for Human Insight at usertesting.com. Either way, that'll get to us. Um, you know, think about what do you have as an itch that you want to scratch, something you want to share, an idea you want to share, or a perspective you want to push, a thing that you've learned. We can be a way to help you do that and share it out with a community of like-minded people. Think of it like, articles in a cookbook, right? Here's this really cool thing you can cook, and um, here's how to do it, and here's the results you're going to get, and here's what to watch out for. We're really, really interested in, in all of those sorts of things.
2: All right. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to get that engine going in terms of um, pulling regular external perspectives uh, onto the Center for Human Insight. So yes, I encourage you all to uh, think about how you may want to contribute um, So we're going to move into the lightning questions round. So this is a series of questions that we ask every guest on the podcast, and there are three of them, and there are three of you. So we've broken them out into, um, we've assigned a question to each of you. So Sean, tell us a book that you've recently read uh, that you'd recommend to listeners.
3: A book that's really had an impact on the way I think about going about both my work and kind of uh, checking things off my personal to-do list. It's called Essentialism by Greg McCowan. Uh It's really uh, at a fundamental level, a matter of deciding what the single most valuable and impactful thing that you can do is uh, what you focus on doing next. Humans aren't naturally good at focusing on multiple things at once. Um, and in a world of infinite possibilities, we really do ourselves uh, a disservice by trying to chase them all. So uh, I definitely recommend essentialism for anyone who's trying to bring a bit more focus and kind of streamline uh, their work process.
2: Awesome. I love that recommendation. Sounds like something I, I should be checking out as well. Um, Michael, can you give us a piece of advice that you would give to someone who's trying to convince others to invest in customer feedback?
4: Um, Yeah, sure. I think it's a great question. Uh, Look, I think if you find yourself in the position of convincing others within your company to either, you know, establish or scale a human insights practice, I think the most important thing for you to do is to establish yourself as a business partner with those individuals. So not necessarily as a researcher or like as a voice of customer advocate, those are important things, but rather as someone who's going to help those individuals achieve positive outcomes I think what you want to do is identify the issues and challenges that those individuals, individuals already care about. Uh, and then, you know, tie that back to the work that you're doing to collect human insights to empathize with customers and show those stakeholders the implications of human insights and how those insights can help the stakeholder meet their own challenges.
2: Yeah, I love that. So kind of, uh, you know, understanding, deeply empathizing with who you're going to be partnering with within the business and finding a way to kind of speak to the benefits of customer feedback uh, in a way that matches their language and the way that they see the world. So yeah, I love definitely. that. It's great advice. Um, so Mike, uh, when you think about the future of the Center for Human Insight, what are you most excited about?
0: Well, you know, I I want it to be, I, we all want it to be a place where you feel like your your time is being used respectfully and well. You know, if i if i spend 10 minutes reading an article on the site, i come away from that going, wow, that was great. I really got some good stuff. That wasn't marketing fluff. That was that was something that really helped me do my job and make a difference. But you know, the thing that excites me the most is actually the future of the category in general. You know, of human insight. Everybody listening to this podcast is a partner In helping to build out that world of human insight on demand for any customer facing decision that you need to make in a company. And what I'm most excited about is getting to the point in the future where companies understand how they can work and think differently based on constant interaction with their customers. That is such a simple and yet incredibly powerful concept that it's going to be revolutionary for companies when they really, really absorb what they can do with it. And it's that future that I'm excited about that keeps me coming to work, or in this case, getting up and going to my computer in the other room and, and getting on to Zoom and whatever else um, in order to do these things. It's a It's a mission that we all share, and I look forward to building that out together with everybody who's listening here
2: yeah I wholeheartedly agree with you, Mike. I think there's something really special about the category and and what we're building and what the potential is. Uh, although the industry and sort of this practice has been around for decades, I think it's widely it widely has not been adopted yet. Uh, and there's so much opportunity. We're just getting started. Um I would love to look back and and in twenty years and and be able to say, hey, this thing that we were talking about 20 years ago is now something that most companies have integrated into the way that they build products and experiences. That'd be pretty freaking awesome if you ask me. Um, okay. So we are at the end of our episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, we do have links to the articles that we mentioned as well as the center for human insight in the show notes. Um, also email addresses to reach out to us and contact us. So we appreciate you all tuning in to listen to this episode and a special thank you to Mike, Michael, and Sean for joining us to talk all things center for human insight.
4: Thanks for having us.
2: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you liked
1: it, please share it with a friend or coworker. If you think it could have been better, let us know. Email us at podcast at usertesting.com. Thanks.